Okay, so we're back. Um, Peyton in the studio again. Going to do uh, kind of cool topic today. I'm mm-hmm. kind of excited to hear what you found out. You sent it over to me. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. This is this is some as uh, wow. Nobody even knows who this guy is anymore. It was Johnny Carson. He said it's weird, wacky stuff. <laughs> some weird, wacky stuff. Um, that was a boomer saying. <laughs> Dude, I'm not even a boomer, man. Come on, man. Like I'm, I'm Gen X, baby. I'm Gen X. We, 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 we invented grunge. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's some solace. Uh, what do you guys got? Skinny pants? Come on. Those don't look good on literally anyone. I mean, anyone. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll give it to you. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so I read a lot, um, listen a lot, both. And I just finished this book called The Biology of Belief um, by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And to make a long story short, when when I was first getting into it, it's, it fits my science cravings. It fits my um, need to kind of understand the biological realm and the that kind of side of humanity. Yeah, it's quantum physics for me. Yeah. I go on I a know, deep, I dark I'm with I'm with you there, but biology, you can't beat it. And As it turns out, it's all the same stuff. It is. Yeah. But so the the book starts off um, very secular, very much um, just kind of here's what's going on. Here's what we've learned. And, and there was a pivotal moment at the end where he quotes Jesus. Um, and at the beginning, the book actually starts out by talking about how much. Now, is it a secular book? Yes. It is a secular yeah, the book. The guy's not a Christian at all. Okay, interesting. But, um, Jesus or God just made a connection for me at the end mm. that really made me kind of like domino effect the rest of the book and, and put it into perspective a little more. So so if someone who wasn't, <clears throat> say, a Christian, mm-hmm. they they would read this. Would they, do you think they would get a different... different yes, yes, but I, I think the way that it ended really made um, it easy to connect it to religion, even though the dude wasn't trying to, because basically, and, and I'll, I'll talk about it a little later, but he, he takes all of these things about that we're learning about DNA and, and how we think and how we're wired and and talks about it and explains it. And then he throws in this thing that Jesus said thousands of years ago that's basically like, oh, well, this is what he's been telling us the whole time. Right. So that that really that really drove it home. But yes, I mean, it's, it's a very secular book, um, but you can take it however you take it. So um, yeah, the book, so the book talks about, um, talks about DNA and it talks about um, this thing called genetic determinism. So genetic determinism is basically the belief that we've held um, in the science field for decades now, which basically tells us that you're born with certain DNA. Um, That DNA holds things like your eye color, your height, your hair color, um, and even more serious things like mental ailments and stuff like that. And those are fixed. It's immutable. There's there's no getting away from that. Um, and, And he, he talks about how when you believe that, it, it goes from understanding biology, biology on a level of, okay, this is, how I, this is how I got this eye color, to I'm stuck with these certain traits and I'm never going to be able to fix them, um, which is really not, is not really what it's intended. So um, the book talks a lot about how in, in recent studies we're, we're realizing that the neural pathways in our brains are just that, they're pathways. So mm-hmm. you walk down a grass field, tall grass field. First, it's super hard. You know, you have to kind of cut through it and, and get through it. But over time, as you keep walking that pathway, it gets lower and lower until that's the path of least, that's the path of least resistance. So your brain's obviously going to take that. Um, and that can be with addiction. That can be with 
how you think about yourself, how you think about anything in life. So this you're, is, you're this is the way we this pathways. is the way we program the right, brain, exactly. Right. So 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 whereas, but in, that but that happens as a result of uh, of not what you're born with. Right. Right. That ha- that's how your parents. Right. Your childhood. Yeah. Um, and, and later in life, um, how you continue to to live out of, out of how sure, you were programmed. Now as you a have child. grooves. Right. Right. Yeah. Like a record player. Someone. And... Yeah. At some point in your life, you know, someone told you who you were. Someone showed you who you were, even if they weren't meaning to. And, and you've stuck with that. And sure. it's affecting you in, in your entire life. Um, but rather than believing that just like our eye color those traits are fixed. They're not. And, and that w- that's what was, was really powerful um, for me on, on top of that, just the, the unconscious brain. And I, I think it's really popular to talk about the unconscious brain these days. Right. So everyone's always talking about how um, we do all these things unconsciously. And, and if we just tap into our unconscious brain, we can fix all these things. But I don't think people really understand the degree of what the unconscious brain is, which is really the biggest thing that I took from this book. So, numerically for someone like me it's it's really easy for me to to take things on a number standpoint so your conscious brain a day is operating at um, an average of about 40 bits of information per second sure so yeah. when i'm sitting here focusing on you um and and thinking about what i want to talk about that's that's all happening in my conscious brain yeah and i believe that um it's basically the equivalent of two voices right uh yeah. you can uh, in terms of information you yep. could process Absolutely. so it's essentially two voices is the max your conscious brain could sort of deal with simultaneously right. yeah so not a ton um and it's enough to 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 make it through things like this pretty proficiently um the book talked about the driving scenario, which which was really powerful for me. So, if you picture when you are trying to get your driver's license, um, you you start off and you get in the car with the instructor, and you have to focus on your mirrors, and you have to focus on the, which pedal and the speedometer, and all these different things. And then you throw in someone screaming at you from the passenger seat because sure. you're cutting someone off, and it just gets overwhelming. And I think we can all relate to that feeling of freezing. But I was driving next to eighteen wheelers when I first started yeah, driving. That was the freakiest. It still is. And and it, to me, it was to your point. It was so much information to process. Right. And, and it, you felt like it, the slightest. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> mistake and everything yep. would go horribly wrong. And so when you think about that, how much energy you're putting into focusing on that, it'll work. But but what you really don't understand is that so much of our life is not running from that conscious part of our brain. If it did, it would be overwhelmed. So you have so much of your reptilian brain that's controlling things like your heartbeat and and over time thoughts. Um, and and on a cellular level, what we're learning from this book is that you are determining exactly what those pathways are happening. So just the same way where now you can get in the car um, and you can drive for you know hours sometimes without even realizing and you look up and you're like oh my god like how did i get here right like, you yeah. know that feeling because your unconscious brain was driving because you've done it so many times sure so when when i really understood that um it, w- it was really easy for me to understand how i'm doing the exact same thing with thoughts and on top of that the book gave me a new perspective about how to fix it that i've never had before and it's it's not you don't just realize that the issue's there and fix it you can talk to your unconscious brain all you want and just realizing that you have these certain thoughts is not going to do anything because there's no one in there mm-hmm. it's it's like trying to change a podcast in your car by yelling at the stereo you sure. have to actually take action to fix it um, and rewrite those pathways and catch the neural pathways when they're firing and choose a different pathway to go down yeah um and 
so you know, I'm I'm taking all this in, and but that's and, that's um, Martin's ABC, right? It's the right. idea that yeah. there's the action and there's a belief, exactly. and it's sort of like a consequence or an outcome. And coming from a psychological standpoint, you know that that makes perfect sense from him too. So yeah, I mean, just really having a good grasp on that. Um, but like I said, there was a part in the end, at the very last paragraph of the book, where the the author quotes Jesus, and he he basically um, he he quotes the verse from Matthew seventeen twenty, and he says. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And he says that, you know, with with all the things about religion, Jesus was sitting here saying, before we even knew what DNA was, that you have the power inside your own mind to do these things. And and that sounds, you know, obviously none of us are going to go out and move mountains, but if we're if we're deciding about who we are in these fundamental things like what we're going to do in this world, it mm. can't be from something that someone else told us. Yeah, and you, you, so you did a blog post on this, and mm. I, I read it. <laughs> it was really good. But one of the things that really stuck out in my mind was I've always heard the you know neural pathways, you know, you, you, you create a groove. That was interesting. I, I sort of knew that. But you actually said that it, it's even possible that you rewrite some of your DNA. Yes. Right? So DNA is just not an outward-bound information right. system. It actually becomes an inward-bound information system exactly. that you could record. Yeah. So that was the the biggest part of the book is, yes, we have all these neural pathways. We can change the neural pathways. But what a lot of people don't understand is the cell is not where the information is stored permanently. It's taking more information from outside of it. So we are the ones who are giving by these neural pathways, information to the cell in which the DNA is storing that information to continue firing that neural pathway. So on a, on a much simpler level, whereas for decades we've thought that, okay, we have our DNA, we have all these cells in our body that have information about who we are and that's fixed. Yep. Now we're realizing that we are giving the cell input to determine that. And that's, all you have to do is change the input. And that's just crazy. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, you're really talking about a world in which if we really got down to it, I mean, you could will yourself better. Yeah, absolutely. And the book talks about that. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, we've been told for so long, <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy talk. Yep. And what cracks me up is the guys who told us that were scientists. Right. Right. And, and this is the thing that really bothers me deeply about science and actually excites me simultaneously about science mm. is I love quantum physics because I think everyday quantum physics says, oh, there's God. Right. There he is. No, no, he's right there. Right. It's, it's like this unquantifiable uh, entity right. that sort of pulls the strings at a very fundamental like, oh, my God, consciousness might actually make the universe into existence. Absolutely. Which if you read Genesis 1 – yeah, right. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, there's so many weird par- parallels to what they find in quantum physics. And there was actually a guy, a, a really cool. Oh God, I wish I could find the video. Um, but it was a really cool guy. He was a anesthesiologist, mm. and so it, it was a. It was hard to watch because it was really technical. But yeah. basically, his argument is is that we've always thought it's like ten to the whateverth. Uh, amount of processing power your brain has. And like, once we get there with computers, we'll, we'll have created this, what's called the singularity. We'll finally be able to have a computer that can also think. Right. And he's like, Oh no. Yeah. Uh, he goes, look, I'm, I'm an anesthesiologist by trade. What we do, what we specialize in is removing your consciousness without killing your body. Right. So your entire body mm-hmm. continues to function, but we take your consciousness out. Right. 
And I was like, oh my God, that's magic. Yeah, right. Like that, yeah, yeah. I'd never thought of it like that. He's like, no, but that's what we do. We kill your consciousness. Right. And then we bring it back. And he goes, so obviously, you know, I've been very interested in this. And he goes, he believes uh, that there's sections of your brain that make little tubes. And these little tubes are actually functioning on a quantum level. Hmm. Uh, and so what this would seem to indicate is that the, first of all, the, the what we think is the processing the power of the brain is off by magnitudes. Yeah. There's so much more processing power there than we could even imagine. But also the fact that these things are working on the quantum level, that it's not quite as walled off and just in your head right. as you think it might be, right? Absolutely. There is something going on at a much broader, more interesting level. Now, given this guy's probably on the fringe of his of his of his science and he's he's not mainstream. Um but that's how science gets done, right? Yep. You have these guys who go, eh, something just doesn't seem right. Yep. And they keep digging and they find this crazy new way of thinking about it. Yep. But one of the things that's always deeply bothered me about probably the author who wrote this book as well as others is one thing he doesn't really get at is the idea of free will. So so here's the problem with most of science, science and, and sort of the atheist point of view. If I could take your biology from the day you're born and I could expose you to all the exact same stimuli that you were exposed to, mm-hmm. I would create you exactly again. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're predisposed mm-hmm. based off your environment to be who you are. Right. You actually have no free will. Right. Right? Because the reality of it is, is that you... Why, why are you reading this book? Well, because I liked it. Nope. Nope. Right. <laughs> nope. Because maybe one day as a child, you discovered something on your own. And because that thing was there and you did discover it, it gave you an interest in discovering new things. And had that thing not been there, you wouldn't have had that. And therefore, you wouldn't be this guy who would read this book. Mm, right. And so did you have any control over that? No. Right. You had no control over the various multitude of things that happened to you. Now, it produced a unique you mm. sort of, for the most part, right? But you still had no control over it. Right. And you still have no control over it. Yeah. In other words, you're essentially predestined by the number of things that are going to happen to you. And all you are is a biological response to stimuli in the environment. Right. At the end of the day, that is a miserable way yeah. to think about. That's what genetic determinism being determined from the get-go. That I mean, that's what we've been told. Well, but he's arguing yeah. he's arguing that the environment certainly plays a role, and this right. can actually change your genetics. Right. But I but I'm I'm struggling with yeah. But can you? Is there something? Is there a third party? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, so there's for sure. There is your genetics. Mm-hmm. There is your experience. Is there a third thing right. there that then says I'm going to make sense of this? I'm going to do something with it? Right. Or in reality, is it just genetics? And just your environment, and or these two are interacting with each other. Maybe God, if if you if I'm reading the third part that you're that's saying right, correctly, that's exactly right. Is yeah. part of the environment. No, that, that that would be sort of our argument as Christians, right. as people who believe that there's a soul, sure. is that there is a third part in this sure. in this equation. Yep. And this third part, if you believe the Bible, has free will. Right. It has the ability to make it's not a determined. choice. It's not determined. It's mm. not predetermined. Right. Um, and it is the one that decides, and I forget what, do you know what that function is where you're able to filter out half of what you see? I forget what the name of that is, mm-hmm. but there's an articulator or something or other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, it basically filters out. Cause if you were fully aware of what you're actually right. aware of r- right now, you, you would go nuts. Yeah. You could literally feel your hair growing, but you ignore it because right. you don't need that information. Yep. So there's this filter. Um, but y- <laughs> the, 
so there's this idea that maybe the soul is this thing that says, okay, yeah, here's what's happening. Here's my biology, but here's what I'm choosing to see and to feel and to experience. Right. I'm not a function of all the things that's ever happened right. to me. Because my big problem with this is that this leads right into kind of pop psychology in that in order for you to fix yourself, you've really got to go back in time and unpack all right. the crap that's gone that's happened to you. Yep. But what we see in the Bible is not that. Right. Jesus meets people exactly where they are yep. and says, hey, look, come follow me or go and sin no more. And basically from that point on, their life takes a, a radically different turn. There's no... You never saw an example of Jesus sitting down when someone goes, well, you know, tell me about your father. Did he hug you enough? Did right. you feel loved as a child? He didn't honestly care. Right. And I think if you're sort of in this environment and biology, you sort of have to. Yep. And that becomes a real challenge. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, and, and obviously, I didn't hit all the points that um, the author did, but um that that's in there and, and but you'd recommend it as a good read absolutely right? yeah. yeah and 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 more I, I don't, so I, not I don't, looking at your past in in terms of okay here's here's why I am the way I am and that's okay yeah. it's more I, I understand how these processes got to be the way they are and sure. now I understand how to change them I don't think I, I, here's what I would definitely say especially can change them and this is what one of the things I respect so much about you as a Christian I don't think you should run from this stuff yeah. I think in all honesty, science is ultimately, it was written by God, it was created by God, and if you think that there's a schism between science, who, if you take them at face value, which I don't know that you always can, but if you took them at face value and said, look, we're just looking for the truth, right? okay, fine, then at some point, and I would argue you're not there yet, Mr. Scientist, you're going to discover my God because he is the truth. And what I find incredibly fascinating about what's going on right now in science, and one of the best reasons for Christians to get their heads out of the Christian bookstore, frankly, and to get out and just expose yourself to this stuff. Because if you look at it through the Christian lens, you're going to see, man, they're finding God. The author is in no way religious, wrote a completely secular book, and it brought me to to Jesus even more just by the end of it. so. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Absolutely. Well, my hope is that we can do more of this kind of stuff. I, I just yep. love, I think there's so much cool information out there that, yep. you know, with most Christian podcasts, it's sort of like that's, they just don't talk about that. Right. We get in this like uh, echo chamber where we're talking to ourselves about the same stuff that we've always been talking about. But man, science is making some cool, yep. making some cool breakthroughs. And to be honest, if they're getting closer to the right answer, then they are getting closer to God. Study it and learn what God says about it, just like that that Matthew Bible verse, you know. It's it's completely on this, and Jesus said it a couple thousand years ago. So Yeah, and I, you know, and if you ever run into a, a scientist who says, well, it, there is no such thing as God, I would challenge they're not scientists because they're already ruling right. out a possibility right. that they have yet to prove is yeah. not true, right? Yeah. So at least this guy is willing to say, yeah. okay, hang on, man, there's some wisdom. Yep. <laughs> there's some wisdom back in the day. Who, what right. I believe about yeah. him. It doesn't yeah. even matter, right? Because it's truth is truth, right. and that, that's what's really cool. So yep. anyways, very cool, man. Thank you so much for bringing that book. Uh, yeah. Head on over to 7020.org and check out the uh, the blog post. It's yep. really good. Moving Mountains. actually covers a lot, of, a lot of the stuff you talked about in a little bit more detail. Yep. Good stuff, man. See you next time. Thanks.